Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding Reality a decoding TV podcast about reality television. I am here with my wife at Joy Napping. I am David Chen. And you might be wondering, hey, what's all this then? What's going on over here? Uh, well, Decoding Reality is a part of the Decoding TV network. We cover reality shows. Uh, Justin and Deja have been covering The Bachelor season 27. Previously, we've covered Love is Blind season three. Uh, and... We have thought about covering Love is Blind season four. And initially, I was thinking I'm done with the show after season three. But uh, season four of Love is Blind on Netflix happens to take place in Seattle, Washington, which is where we live. And so, therefore, I couldn't look away. We had to give it a shot. Uh, And so... We are here today on Decoding Reality, part of the Decoding TV Network, to discuss Love is Blind, Season 4, Episodes 1 through 5. But again, you can find the podcast version of this conversation over at decodingreality.tv. We will be spoiling everything through Season 4, Episodes 1 through 5. So if you don't want to know what happens in the first five episodes of the fourth season, you should uh, put a pin in this. Come back when you're done watching on Netflix. Or, Or don't. Just listen because... Uh, you'll probably have equally of good of an experience talking to uh, listening to us talk about it as watching the show. Now, uh, Joy, before we get in, you know, we're going to talk about all the couplings that happen and all the specific moments and details of the first five episodes of the show. But uh, this is one of the few reality TV shows that you actually watch. And before we dive in, is there any reason you continue watching the show? along with me, uh, because sometimes I hate myself for watching this show. Season three really left a pretty bad taste in my mouth, and I was, was not eager to continue. It was pretty terrible, yeah. Um, and I, I felt worried that the people who were on the show were being damaged by the show and that mm-hmm. I was contributing to that by watching and interacting with their content or – you know, noticing them on TikTok, you know, yeah. the algorithm knows 
that you're watching this stuff. So um, even if it feels like a relatively passive way to engage, it still felt like maybe I was doing some harm. Um, but, you know, the fact that it's set in Seattle, there are two things about this season. One is Seattle is so small. Everybody knows everybody. Or you're, you feel like you're one to yeah. two degrees of separation away. There are only so many employers. That's part of it. So you kind of feel like professionally you probably know people. Um, and then it's very neighborhoody. There's kind of like 10 major neighborhoods and people really know each other in those neighborhoods. So I thought there was a really good chance we would know someone who secretly had gotten married on this show and it would be like, surprise. Um, or, or at the very least, like be adjacent to some of the people right, on the show. You right. know, like, and I'm not would, 100% yeah. convinced that that's not – I think that's probably not true at this phase after we've gotten through the five yeah. – but it's possible kind of we might know someone who knows on. someone who knows someone on the show. Like that's a possibility, right? And that's oh, that's easily possible. Yes. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, um, I find Seattle dating to be pretty different than anywhere I've been. Um, and my girlfriends, who largely have moved in from other places in the country, um, have found it to be odd. And I just wanted to see, like, what would this show look and feel like in this rather specific sub-niche of America. So I think I couldn't help myself from that perspective either. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. Um, whoops, I accidentally swapped our camera angles. There. Yes, that's totally fair. I think what's also fun about Love is Blind is they usually do dates in the city. And so yeah. you get to see like what the hot dating places are in the city that we might want to Because we're old out. and married now. Yeah, yep, uh, we might want to see kind of where uh, where the kids are going these days, you know, what's considered hip, as they say. So it's probably the same things we did, and it'll just be the same dates. That I, I, I bet you anything, they're going to do that hot tub on Lake Union. Mm -hmm. That's very possible. Very possible. Which we, it's not a date we have done, but um, certainly is something that's very popular. So uh, okay, I feel many of the same things you felt about seasons one through three, and specifically. The issues with season two and three are there were there were people that weren't necessarily evil people on the show, but they were people that clearly had mental health issues or personality issues that they were trying to like overcome. And being subjected to the scrutiny of millions of people like didn't help those things. You could just tell, right? Um, but it wasn't uh, with with one or two exceptions. Uh, there weren't that many evil people on the show. Uh, I, I mean, I, well, I, who did I think you think was evil? You're right. You're, you I know, think I know who you're talking about. But I mean, like Sh Shayna and Shake are like, I don't, I don't think they're evil, but they're like chaotic neutral. I guess I don't know, but they're like, they're clearly really. Uh, I think Shake's a pretty bad dude. I don't think he's a good <laughs> dude. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay, that's right. Yeah. But I also thought that the scope of his damage was relatively exactly. That's the thing. Limited. Was, yeah. Because Deep D could uh, withstand it. I thought you were going to say Zeneb. Mm, oh, yeah. Well, uh, of course. Uh, but no, no, she's not. I don't think she's evil. I think she just has. I don't think she has any ill intention at all. Yeah. I think she just she is trying her best. It's just that her best can be very hurtful still. Agreed. Agreed. So anyway, um, it, it felt like the show was actively damaging for society because it was basically hurting these people. Like it, it was it, it's an experiment where you these people date without seeing each other. Then they meet each other. They try to meet each other's families. And then they, at the end of it, they say whether or not they're going to get married. 
And there are many couples for whom I think you and I thought, hey, if, this, if it weren't for this show, these people might actually be doing okay, right? Um, these people might actually get out okay. And so this is, it's like actively damaging people's lives. Yeah, and, it's Cole who haunts me, you know? Yes, totally. Like people who took totally. the high-handedness of the concept very seriously, approached it with a lot of earnestness, and are like broken and unable to date anyone and like – Maybe the work they are doing in therapy is really important and good. It should have been done anyway, but you you just sense that it was like traumatizing, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's hard. Definitely yeah. hard to watch. So with that, we we went into season four apprehensively, but it's it's like despite everything, despite all the terrible things about the show and how self-important they are about the nature of the social experiment and how terribly the show treats its contestants and so on and so forth. It is undeniably compelling television most of the time. It is something that like you're going to want to talk about most of the time with other people. Oh, 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 oh. I have a very different take on it than that. Okay. Well, what is your take, Joy? I think this season absolves you of all guilt because now everyone in it clearly knows they're in a game. Mm, mm, yeah. So the the contestants or participants are behaving differently. Yeah. Um, back when season two and three, they were shot like almost simultaneously. Yes. So yes. it's not like season three contestants saw season two air. Yeah. Everybody had only seen season one. Yeah. For whatever reason, the people now are a behaving like it's a game. B, there's kind of more explicitly said about how this is a more typical reality TV set of dynamics. There are people who seem to be villains. I don't know if they were intentionally cast as villains Mm -hmm. um, by the producers, but there's some people really causing some chaos. And all of this makes me feel better that we all know what we're in. We're not in a pure experiment where people are going to get their hopes crushed because they, or to the extent that we are, people should have a you know, a, a pretty solid sense of like expectations coming into it. And that makes me feel like everyone's on the same page. Everyone is aware of what the rules are and the consequences. And it's consenting adults signing up for this. Right, right, right. And then I feel less like horrible inside. Well, that transitions into what I was going to ask you, which is what have you thought of the f- first five episodes of season four? And I have to say, I, I, I find it to be pretty enjoyable television, like reality show television. Um because, as you said, like everyone seems to be self-aware, um, there seem to be fewer people with significant psychological problems this season, I want to say. Or at least if, if they do have psychological problems, they seem less likely to be harmed by the show, um, uh, from my perspective. And there are people who are, are clearly meant to be villains, who are kind of set up as villains, um, and that is inherently compelling, but what's also compelling is even in the first five, five episodes, we've already seen people who made really bad decisions be punished for it. And that's just a very satisfying thing to watch on TV. So, uh, I have enjoyed the first five episodes of season four. Joy, any thoughts on them? It's a better show. It's mm-hmm. a more coherent show. Um, and although there's probably more chaos between the couples and their pairings and um, the producers seem to be leaning into, you make a commitment to leave the pod, but 
if you commit to the wrong person, maybe you get a chance to talk to the other person later on, which is really like clearly not supporting the well-being of these couples in the long run or trying to set them up for success. Um, again, I feel like everybody is a grown person who is handling this. The person you are saying, quote unquote, got punished um, for his bad decision. I think we all know who you're talking about. It's Zach. Um, I think actually has a lot of pretty good skills too um, in reading the situation. So I feel like he is able to not be just totally fed into the you know, meat grinder by Irina. Um, it, it's a painful thing to watch, but you don't get the sense that it's going to like destroy his life. Yes. As early. Yes, exactly. And so, so there, there's a the degree of savvy, savvy, savvy all around that yeah. I think is, so <laughs> the predators have leveled up, but so have the prey. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it all makes for like a fairly enjoyable, guilt-free watching experience compared to lower last, guilt. I mean, I still to feel the, guilty. Compared to the last two seasons when it really felt like, wow, this show is bad for society and bad for these people. You know, this, it just, it feels much less offensive this time around. And that's one thing I really appreciate about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's wait though, because there's a lot oh, more yeah. show to go. It's, it's, so it's we still, may not make it to a season five of this podcast. Many more shoes left to drop for sure. Um, but anything else before we move on to the actual couples, Joy? I, uh, I have a few thoughts, but like, like, let's save it for the end. Okay, cool. So uh, there are, a, a, as of like, I think it was episode three, there are five couples that made it through the or- original process. Um, and... Let's talk about them. Joy, I have photos of all of them that I can put up on screen. So why don't you hit me up and then I'll put them on screen. Which one do you want to begin with? Um, well, I just want to say, firstly, I think the show tends to pick about five couples. There's a solid chance that other people got engaged yes. and just like didn't um, have the cameras follow them and don't have their wedding paid for. But also then they're not on the weird timeline, which is good. Um, yeah, that would probably be my out- ideal outcome if I were on the show. <laughs> yeah. So in previous seasons, it has come out that like uh, other people did also get engaged. And then the producers just chose like four or five couples to follow who they bet would be the most interesting ones. Um, but the show doesn't show you everything that happens in the experiment. So, yeah. Right. I do think we have a particularly messy set of five. So in the past, basically, you have five couples and maybe three of them like kind of clearly gravitated towards each other, but there's some sort of like love triangle or something. You know, they clearly um, are going to have the couples continue to in- interact with each other. And so I think they want anything where there's possibly like a love triangle involved. But I made this like chart. Um, the, the bubbles, <laughs> the bubbles are the couples, but then there are all these dotted lines because there are other people hanging on. And sometimes there's issues between the couples. And sometimes I couldn't even keep it all straight. One of the downsides of Netflix's binge release model, even in chunks like this of five episodes, is you barely have time to learn the names of people. So I needed this to like, I can picture everyone, but I had trouble keeping them all straight. Um, why don't we start with everyone's America's favorite Brett and Tiffany. I feel like they are the ones everyone is rooting for. They're on screen right now. They're both in their mid-30s. And they both just seem like wholesome, lovely people. You know, I would love to like hang out with these people. Maybe I will one day if we bump into them at Pike's Place Market or something like that. Oh, we will not because Brett is a director (laughs) of design for the world's biggest shoe company, a.k.a. Nike. So he clearly lives in Portland. Pike Place Market, by the way. Sorry, go ahead. But Yes, yes. Good, good catch. Yeah. 
locals know. Yeah. Um, so I actually, that was one of the things I found immediately suspicious was like <laughs> the racial makeup of the group of contestants and certainly the couples that make it, it's like not super representative of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Seattle is 16% Asian, um, very yeah. low percentage black. And of the black population, it tends to be African immigrants as opposed to African Americans. And so I was just pretty confused. Um, and then when he was like, Oh, I work basically for Nike, I was like, Oh, okay. So they brought in people from other regions. Like that's, this is how they, yeah. I, know, I literally, as, group. as we were beginning this broadcast, I literally got an email from a film cast listener named Papool writing in about the lack of, the subject is lack of Asian males in Love is Blind season four. And then he says, as you know, per the 2020 census, Seattle is 59.5% white, 16.9% Asian, 8.2% Latino, and 6.8% black. Uh, but the demographics of the case of this season of Love is Blind show you a very different uh, makeup. Very few, if any, Latinx persons. But it's the Asian representation that's the trouble. There are few Asian females in the cast, no Asian males. That makes no sense whatsoever, except for racist casting. By contrast, Dallas is only three percent, three point seven percent Asian, but did have an Asian male cast member in season three. Chicago, an epically horrible, offensive <laughs> Asian male cast member. Chicago RIP, is Andrew. Chicago is six point nine percent Asian and had several Asian male cast members in season two. Seattle has so many more Asians that uh, that the cast, especially male cast, should have been somewhat of a reflection of the diversity in Seattle. Instead. Uh, the Seattle cast of the show looks like a lot like Atlanta, uh, which is 4.5% Asian, end quote. And he goes on for a little bit. But uh, I think it does raise the question of like, what is the point of doing a show in a specific region if you don't want to pull people that are representative of that region? Maybe they just like the way it looks. They're just there like, absolutely is no point. Do you yeah. think there's a point? This show is they just so like the way the, the dates and the backgrounds and the lakes half-assed. Yeah. Yes, they'll literally, I think, pick some place to save five thousand dollars. You know, I I really feel like this thing is <laughs> like Seattle happened to have a tax credit, and so a wing and a prayer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we're going to, you know, get people here from other places to create the the racial makeup of the cast that we want and then, you know, from that point on it doesn't really doesn't really matter. Well, so. I would love to talk about Asian representation maybe a little bit later yes. and focus on Brett and Tiffany now, but I also want to talk about Seattle representation later because I do not thus far get it um to Papool's point. Um but so Brett who is actually from Portland, um, and Tiffany get engaged. And I am cheering so hard for these people. And there's a moment where Kwame says to Chelsea, if Brett and Tiffany don't make it, it's going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. And they kind of both agree. I think everyone feels the same vibe off of them, which is these are two great people that deserve great things. And hopefully it's with each other. And they're, I I think it's partly that Brett's story is so incredible um, mm-hmm. and that she – he just seems to, like, really need someone who is really genuine and straightforward. All things pointed to these being the best couple ever, probably, to be on Love is Blind. And then Tiffany falls asleep. <laughs> Yeah. Which is also probably one of the single most painful moments in the history of Love is Blind. 
it received what felt like a very abridged edit where uh, Brett and Tiffany are there. Brett is spilling his guts. He's giving her this little precious little gift, the shoe. It has this amazing backstory behind it. And then... Uh, I don't think that all happened right at the same time. Did it? I think With it did because she, the next session she brought the shoe back. So like, I, I think there might it, this might have been a session in between. But I recall her basically okay. saying she, the L word, and then the he L is word. like respond. Oh, the, the love, love. Word. yeah, yeah. <laughs> licorice, um, and he I mean, is there's, responding there's a, to there's that. A, there's a TV show called the L word. It's a very different word. So anyway, oh fair, um, fair. Um, and and then she falls asleep, and it's it is a weird edit because she is asleep asleep and then like her time is up in the pod and these other girls have to come get her and they cannot even shake her awake at first so i was worried that she had like a health problem (laughs) i i I, you know it's a weird edit because yeah that that all happened so like my guess is a producer said to the other girls hey go in and get her right you know um and then she woke she woke up and she she felt bad. And then later on when it's resolved, it's very weird like cuz at first uh Brett is like it's over between me and her and that's very understandable. Like if I was in that situation and a woman fell asleep on me, you're feeling so was, vulnerable yeah. at that moment. Yeah. I would tell, but then he, he she kind of like apologizes and he's kind of like it's fine and then will you marry me like real quick. So I was like, uh okay, I feel like we're I'm pretty some sure she here. spent more time on the explanation, more time explaining how bad she felt yeah. before but, it like switched to the proposal. But they cut it out. They're like this is boring. Let's just get straight to the proposal, which is what it I It had think. big uh, yeah. Raven doing jumping jacks while Bartis is saying Totally. <laughs> like, totally. This is what led to my parents' divorce. So I think that uh why um why was she why was she sleeping because um it's really exhausting filming the show in a way that I don't think yeah. the show the show illuminates for you you know that's I think my that, hypothesis yeah. yeah it's just it's just really you're you're on camera for like eight hours you need to be on the whole time maybe more maybe ten to twelve I think they have like sixteen hour days they're not um, and they're I not think- fed they're not fed particularly yeah it might be longer than that uh, they're they're not fed particularly well you know like uh from lawsuits that have arisen since the show has been on the air you know so She's probably tired and then just passed out during an extremely terrible moment. Um, but it was very, very painful to watch for sure. So. I think the lesson is don't give in to all those little blankies and pillows they have in the pod. Yeah. You know, keep your uh, feet in an ice bath or something. But other than that one massive hiccup, it seems like everything is smooth sailing for Brett and Tiffany, right? I think. I hope so. I mean, they have not even had any hint of drama to the point and i don't feel like they're hiding facts about themselves you know and um it it would be so lovely if this show were really about grown adults finding each other that would Mm -hmm. be incredible so you know this is like the highest aspiration the show has indeed i agree with that agree with that so that's tiffany brett all right next up joy uh Everyone else is intertwined in complicated ways. Okay, so why don't we talk about Marshall and Jacqueline, who sometimes goes by Jackie. Yeah. So Marshall and Jackie. Two, they, two more people who don't really seem like they live in art Seattle, but yeah. In in, in what sense? I, I could I mean I mean that's what in what sense, Joy? What do you mean by that? Um I 
They Marshall have more is the only one that I kept. <laughs> yes, they're more open. Um, Marshall was the only one out of the cast that got any like screen time that I kept squinting at. Like, do I know you? Do I know someone who knows you? He's a little young for my friend set. So I'm like, I probably don't know you, but um, uh, he's still um, – I don't know. They just seem like cooler than most people in Seattle. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I understand that. Um, so Marshall and Jacqueline, um, we do hear a little bit about their respective backstories. Um, but do you recall that Marshall and Jacqueline, Marshall actually like kind of almost gets into a fight with another guy about Jacqueline? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found this like very strange. Do you remember? I, I, don't, I think it was like, I want to say it was Josh. Um, it is, is Josh. Yeah. Ooh, good memory. Good memory. Yeah. Um, so basically, Josh is also interested in Jacqueline and also – but he is not going into the lounge and telling everyone this. So one of the things I find very mm. strange about this show is that people go back into the lounge and they're like, yeah, I'm really feeling Chelsea. And it could be that you're talking to someone who is also really feeling yeah. Chelsea. And so there's this strange like competitive dynamic well, it feels way more competitive this season than in seasons past. I think like in seasons past, everyone was just like kind of sharing their thoughts and feelings. And this season, it's like your objective is to get to the next phase and you must eliminate people that pose any threat to that, you know? Yes. And thank you. Because it is a game, right? It's a game where very few people actually end up getting married and the ones that get married have largely gotten divorced. So like you should be just playing it as a game to increase your odds of even making it to the next step. So Josh is actually playing it like he's on Traders, you know, like yes. the show that you and I also like by yeah. saying nothing. So when Marshall hears from Jacqueline, oh, somebody else was like, hey, it's you. And I'm going to pack my bags and go home. I'm, he's basically that other person is putting the pressure on Jacqueline a little bit to commit. Yeah, yeah. Jo- Josh is he saying. Has, if, Josh is saying, Jacqueline, if you don't pick me, I'm going home. Right. So he has no idea. And Marshall's probably been like spilling his guts to all the guys. He's like, which one of you <laughs> is quote unquote stabbing me in the back? And I'm like, you don't even have a right to feel angry, Marshall, because. It's not other people's obligation to tell you how they feel about the girl you're talking. Like all of it is. Um, I, I think I hope the cast members get more cagey about who they're into. Mm-hmm. That would be like the more reasonable and self protective thing to do. And he he is literally, I think, wanting to have a fight, like a fist fight, <laughs> because someone dared to also be in the same environment <laughs> with the same goals. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a little weird. That was a little weird. I, I I do acknowledge that. But other other than that, they seem like perfectly pleasant people. Uh, Jackie does seem like she's dealing with a lot of uh, heavy challenges and responsibilities, and I do wonder how that's going to interact with this very new relationship that she has. Um, so I I don't know if I would bet that they're going to definitely survive or anything, but uh, it's fun to watch them interact, and they seem perfectly like a nice couple. I I will say I felt, you know, we were talking earlier about whether the show makes us feel icky. I I felt icky watching Jackie have this like emotional moment because you can tell from the camera movement that there is a physical human, like a cameraman in the room. It's not like a stationary setup where they leave it and just monitor it. And that's probably making her 
crying and her intensity worse, you know, mm-hmm. knowing it's being witnessed. So she keeps trying to hide behind little walls or like in the shower or whatever, just to have a moment, but she's still miked. And, you know, you just don't have any privacy or downtime. And it's a real pressure cooker of a situation. Um, and it felt really invasive to me. So she hasn't named on camera what the situation is that she's struggling with, or at least we haven't seen it. And I hope they respect her privacy. Like, it should not be that if you go on this show, all of your heaviest and hardest stuff becomes public domain. And I I, I felt like it crossed a line. I Mm. I really felt very uncomfortable as a a viewer of it. Like, it it did not need to continue to watch her cry in the shower and, like, shift the angle so you could see her cry a little more. Like, I already get it. She's crying in the shower. Yeah. There are moments when you're watching a reality show like this where you – feel the presence of the producers and the camera people in the room. And that was one scene where like she starts crying and then the camera person like shifts perspective and you can see someone was like, Hey, make sure you get a photo for crying. Okay. It's like, uh, like I agree. And, and they are it. making it worse, right? It's not just like they're not respecting her privacy. I would cry harder if I knew I was trapped and a cameraman was stalking me and like, I couldn't just have a little cry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I personally think, like, you you know, at this point, as we've already said, people know what they're signing up for. I'm not saying that the uh, producers aren't acting badly in any way. I'm just saying, like, um, it feels like fair game to me, in my opinion, of, like, what the cameras I think might cover, it, you know? Uh, it's, it's legal. It's fair game. I think it's unethical. That's what I'm saying. All right. Any other thoughts not- on, on Jackie and Michael? <sighs> um... Yeah, I thought Marshall actually did a really good job comforting her. I would suggest yeah. people take, like, you know, he he just sort of calmly was like, it's going to be okay. I'll be here. What, if anything, can I do? But not, like, really pestering her. He did not seem uncomfortable with her emotions. And I w- and when she was like, I'm sorry, I had a moment. And he's like, you don't need to apologize. We're human. And she says, it'll never happen again. And he's like, and it's okay if it does. I was like, mm. dude. That is, <laughs> she is being so hard on herself, like thinking she can never have yeah. a moment to cry. Like, I think he's being really um, supportive. And the next morning, she basically says, that was love. Love is somebody actually doing the things he did for me. And I was like, oh, this is so great. Because on TV shows like this, what you often get is that love is like the romance or the headiness as opposed to the like everyday showing up when it's hard, yes. especially. And like, that is the stuff that leads you to actually stay married. So yeah, I, um, I really, I don't know if they're going to make it, but like, I really appreciated that modeling of behavior. Another thing that Marshall did, I think it was Marshall who said it and I found it really moving. There was a, a time when Kwame, um, Marshall and um, Brett are sitting around. So it's, I think they're all black and they're talking about their feelings and how hard it is to open up about it. And then I think it's Marshall who says, um, guys who look like us don't talk about our feelings a lot. We don't get it from our families and then we don't know to do it. And we need to, we need through this show to be role models for that behavior. And I thought it was like really, really Mm -hmm. compelling. And I, I think he's doing a great job of that so far. By the way, uh, Carol in the chat room has said that Jackie has explained in an interview what those extraneous factors at home are. 
Hmm. Um, so uh, I actually looked it up and it has been explained. So okay. I'm going to say what it is. If you don't like, I assume it will be revealed in a later episode. Um, but I'm ju- I'm just going to say what it is. So uh, so you know. Um, but she revealed to Entertainment Weekly, uh, "quote My father, he's sick." He has cancer, so I have to take care of him when I go home every weekend. I make sure that my parents are good, the bill is paid, my dad can't work no more. I have a lot of family stuff that I have to tend to. Family always comes first. Uh, and also, my brother being released from prison, it's like I have another person I have to take care of, end quote. So, <sighs> yeah. That's, I actually thought it probably was that there were family members who were had illness and or financial stuff. And yeah. that stuff is really heavy, you know? And she's kind of on the young end. It's, it's a lot yeah. at that age because you totally. feel like you should be – you feel pressure to be getting ahead in your own life, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, well, you know, I, it's clear. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no I was going to move on, but go ahead. Well, just about this pairing, it's pretty clear from the promos that Josh is going to come back at least at a cocktail party or something and shoot his shot. And I really, I don't know. I don't trust any of those. I don't trust any of those promos. Like sometimes they show us things that don't even happen. So whatever. Well, they um, happen. They just don't show them in yeah, a big yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> um, so that is, I think, let's see. That's, that's, the last, the that's, the, that's the last of like the pretty good couples, <laughs> I think. That's the last of the simple situations. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. All right. Where would you like to go next in my um, ladder of death and complication? I mean, I think let's go to Kwame and Chelsea next because that's like. Yes, I literally think I ordered them in yeah, terms yeah. of problematicness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Kwame and Chelsea, um, they are also on the show. Uh, <laughs> Kwame, Kwame seems like a cool guy, you know. Um, he initially tries to Is go he? after him. He initially tries to go after Micah. That doesn't work. Then he ends up with Chelsea, uh, sings her a song, and then they end up together. But then, like, slowly but surely, some Micah doubts start to creep into his mind during the pool party stuff in Mexico. And we will see if he and Chelsea have a happy ending. But we've already seen how the pool party can completely sabotage and destroy other relationships in the past seasons of Love is Blind. Because people just have this desire to know. They're just like, I've been dating you behind a curtain for 10 days. I propose to someone else. I just need to know what that situation was. Like, I need to know what you look like. I need to know whether you're happy, et cetera, et cetera. So, Joy, thoughts on the Kwame Chelsea situation? I don't quite have like a read on Chelsea yet. Um, I think she does seem like a little bit intense, but she also has a bunch of behaviors that are really, really mature, including I think she's probably handled as well and as graciously as possible, you know, the idea that everybody is in this situation where they were dating other people simultaneously. It is genuinely hard to like move on from it. And you could just be very threatened by that because it is a threatening situation and it's fair to be threatened. Um, But she's also like trying to give him some grace, even though she can sort of tell effectively that she was maybe his second choice. Now, mm. I don't think it's quite as clear as in other seasons. Like, do you remember when um, Jared and yeah, Ayana, like she was clearly his second choice um, because he went out and proposed to someone else? 
I feel like this season people were much more clear about breaking things off. They're like, I'm not doing, I'm not going with you. I'm going with the other person. Like, in yeah, but that seasons, was it felt much more organic and like s- slow burn. And this season they're like, let's get this done. You know, like that's kind of how it feels like this. I season. think it's mostly defense moves though, because actually, as you can tell, Micah is still playing the angles and she's already engaged to somebody. So like, you know, I think it's actually mm-hmm. like. Yeah, moving a few squares in chess. Um, So I think um, with Kwame and Chelsea, so shout out to Christopher Yiman, who is a fellow Seattleite listener to many of, uh, for a long time, to... um, you know, many of the podcasts and our friend... Christopher Christopher Yiman, who is 5% of the listenership of our episodes of Decoding Reality, yes? He called Kwame a Kirkland signature version of SK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I think he means uh, lower excitement on all fronts, um, but kind of that propensity to like ask yourself, like, is this guy going to cheat or not? Is this guy really going to be faithful? Um, mm-hmm. And with um, Kwame and Chelsea, he he basically is like, here's a woman who's giving me all this validation and all this support. And I'm not getting that from you, Micah. What I'm getting from you is that like, is, is less um, of a level of commitment and enthusiasm, but he clearly kind of wants Micah to at least want him. It's, it's Mm -hmm. unclear to me how much he's actually into Micah and how much he just wants to be wanted. Um, So when she breaks it off with him, he then proposes to Chelsea, but it's, it's very hard to know um, how much that's just because Chelsea has steadily been putting her hand up from day one, you know, with her kind of clear Mm -hmm. interest and availability um, to him. And I do worry tremendously that, you know, you, David, seem to be blaming the pool party, but I'm going to blame Kwame, who is a human who has some judgment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and agency that... Never heard of it. You know, if the pool party went badly for Cole and Colleen, this is disastrous. Like, if they replay this footage, which they now have, it's brutal. <laughs> Well, the, the it, touching the hand, yeah, the like level of flirtatiousness—it's extremely flirtatious in in a way that like la- like the last pool party was just like them talking, like Matt and Colleen was just them talking, right? Like, what was Cole it? Cole and Colleen, Cole and Colleen, whatever, whatever, wh- whoever the people were last season, right? Like, <laughs> this is like, yeah, you're right, ten x worse, like. It goes on for way longer. Yeah. It's not a sentence back and forth. Yeah. You remember Matt almost seemingly like creates a domestic violence incident over like how yeah. he interprets yes. like a couple lines. I feel like if Matt were in this season, like someone there'd be blood in the pool. You know, like this really went on for a while. Yeah. And then when Chelsea calls him on it in a really reasonable way, he's like tries to Yeah. You know, he doesn't like, away from it. He doesn't do a good job of defending himself. Or or he, or apologizing. Or I apologizing. don't think he even really, really gets how bad yeah. it is. By yeah. the next day, okay, fair enough. He's probably sober by the next day. He apologizes in a more serious way, and he does actually seem to be doing more of the right things um, organically. And I think Chelsea, to be fair, understands. Like, you cannot 
give people enough rules to get them to be the right husband. They need to like actually want to be a husband to you and put you first and care about your feelings and see things from your perspective when you explain it. So anyway, I think Micah is way the fuck out of bounds. Um, I think she clearly is lining up Kwame as a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's probably more interested in Kwame um, than she is in Paul and – I, I don't know. It's it's really uncomfortable to watch. That's my most generous read. My less generous read is she's doing it to just fuck up somebody else's situation because mm-hmm. she's competitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I, th- I think Chelsea is definitely like one of the most mature people I've seen on the show. Like she seems, yeah. yes, she was very intense about Quan, but yeah, she was, I think, probably legitimately being disrespected in that moment. And so for she sure, was, she was very like intense, but she's also like, hey, you know what? Um, she wasn't angry the next day. Like if if she's from season three, she would have been angry for like five months afterwards, but she wasn't angry the next day. She's like, Hey, like, um, you know, it's a weird situation and I get it. So, um, so I think she shows like good judgment and, uh, maturity, emotional maturity. She said the sentence, I forgave you, which I thought was very deep. Yeah. Cause that's not a place a lot of people go to. Beyond, beyond what Kwame, uh, certainly beyond the level of maturity that Kwame has demonstrated. But you know what really does call into question her uh, judgment, though, Joy? Is does she not have a Nissan electric vehicle? Is uh, this performance by Kwame uh, in the pods that I'm now going to play for you and our audience? This is from one of Chelsea and Kwame's final conversations before uh, Kwame popped the question. I just want the real thing. You said that she's in love with me I just want to show her now She said that we gon' have to wait a couple days But I just want to show her now oh. Girl, could you feel my presence through these walls? If I stand by your side, would you ever slip and fall? Cause I would pick you up Take you where we stay, take you to the beach, and on that sand we can lay. I said that real thing, and I just want the real thing. I think one of the things that I've learned watching reality TV shows, you know, like The Bachelor and this, is is it's often an out of body experience where the people on screen are having a diametrically opposed experience to what you're having. So. In the case of The Bachelor, it's like Zach Shellcross. Everyone's like, oh, my God, he is the most amazing man. Da, 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 da. He's just like a f- completely freaking normal 100% average dude. Um, but hearing all these women being like, yeah, he's he's the man of my dreams, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's just like, oh, wow. Like These are the stories people tell themselves. By the way, we just, we're broadcasting live on YouTube.com slash Decoding TV. I think we just lost half our audience when I played that clip. Just <laughs> um, the um, the other thing is, uh, well, in the case of this, it's like... We'll, we'll finish that thought. You're saying... Yeah, Ch- Chelsea is like so profoundly moved by this scene, you know, by this song. And look, Joy, uh, I'm a classically trained musician. You know, I grew up in a very musical family. You did. I, tr- yes, I try. I, I try very hard not to judge, you know, people's musical abilities because it's just not a kind thing to do. So I'm going to ask you to do it. <laughs> what did you think of the song? <laughs> um, 
I, in the moment, thought it was actually pretty good. And I've come to realize I am in the extreme minority on this. I thought for a song that was being jointly written, which I liked, she can hardly carry a tune, you know? So, like, it's a collaboration of their feelings. I think the the song has a decent melody. The The lyrics are okay. Hey, you're shaking your head with the – you are judging. First of all, you said you weren't going to. And secondly – just wait till you hear the other song, everyone. <laughs> I mean, look, what the I can say... The song was like Billie Eilish. Like, you know, it was incredible in comparison. <laughs> All I'll say is the guitar was clearly out of tune. And uh, oh. that, that wasn't, that's unfortunate. So, um, but I, yes. Look, I, I, it I'm, was not as bad as like when Andrew went on about tantric sex and Nancy was like, ooh, I'm feeling this. And I was like, ooh, I'm feeling like I need to run. Like I need to like leave this room and take a shower. It's gross. <laughs> okay. So um, anything else think, about Kwame and Chelsea? <laughs> I, I think the Kwame Micah thing is um, just – it's weird because you really get the sense that Micah knows she's in this game. She knew she needed to cut things off with Kwame in order to move forward with Paul. And she kind of made her choice, even though she called it a quote unquote slow burn. Um, and she was medium conniving and she's definite in the women's lounge. And she is absolutely friends with the number one conniver of all time on this show. So for her to then be so flagrant about flirting with Kwame in a public setting where she's being filmed, um, to make that quote-unquote joke about his failed proposal, which is like really both hurtful and like has no upside. It's not a thing you would say to somebody you actually genuinely quote-unquote cared about. Um, I feel like um, Mike is probably not done sowing chaos this season. And Kwame might be dumb enough to fall for it, in which case you are a cut rate SK and, you know, fine. Like, Chelsea's too good for you. We get to our last two couples. Let's talk, you're talking about Micah. We're talking about Micah a lot. Let's talk about Micah. So Micah and Paul are the fourth of five couples. Um, so what do we think? You know, we already had a comment in the chat uh, that Carol said uh, that she thought that Micah is one of the people that is here to be on TV more than any, anyone else in previous seasons. She certainly seems like one of the few people who's seen TV, you know, and like knows how to behave to get onto TV, Irina being the other one. It's not surprising that they're besties. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this is really complicated. Okay, so there's Micah who cut it off with Kwame to be with Paul. Yeah. Why don't in, in we just a, talk about their actual relationship first to make this simpler? I mean, it feels like a complete nothing burger is kind of how I feel about it. Like, there's nothing. What is there to discuss? Like, I feel like they're talking themselves into staying with each other. But these are two, like, pretty conventionally attractive people who seem to have, like, no chemistry. Paul made so many sort of, like, sex jokes that I thought, oh, this is, like, probably a pretty sexually oriented person. Like, he'll they'll probably, like, have sex right away. They didn't have sex for days, which is fine. And then Paul drops the most incredible, incredible truth bomb, which is that Micah isn't like most girls that he's dated. Micah looking like, by the way, kind of, again, like a conventionally average attractive, you know, like, I, I feel like many people would yeah. find Micah to be their type physically. 
Paul says that he mostly dates women usually who are like, you know, witches who are like brewing potions and like growing things. And he's, it's a really incoherent explanation that he gives. Um, but it's incredible. It's incredible because this is a girl who absolutely exists in the Pacific Northwest. But I feel like most of the Love is Blind viewership is going to be like, what the hell is he talking about? It's the only evidence that this season is taking place in Seattle. Yes. It, so far. I, they're going to visit Seattle locations. But like, it's the only when he's like, yeah, I'm usually into like witchy women who like, you know, cast spells and, and mix up potions in their spare time and stuff. And it's like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I know a girl that lives like is down the street who does that. You know, like that's that is a very Seattle type of woman that is into those kinds of things. Yeah, um, Seattle or Portland for sure. Like, yeah. um, maybe she brews her own kombucha. Yeah. Maybe she's part of a coven. Um, maybe yes. she doesn't believe in like menstrual napkins and instead uses like a disposable cup because it's better for the environment. Look, I have like ten to twenty percent of my personality is also this woman, so I understand. But she yeah. literally has dirt under her fingernails, and she might or might not have been accidentally recruited into a cult at some point in the past. Like that woman. Oh, and she hikes constantly. She lives to hike and she lives to camp. Um, so she lives to hike. She hikes to live, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, when there's this actually very sweet moment when they get to this little, um, swimming hole that's in a cave yes. in Mexico. And he looks down and he sees, um, he's like, oh, are those like sharks? And she's like, what do you mean? Are they like sharks? That's what Micah says. And he's like, oh, they look like this little, kind of shark, you know? And he's like, no, actually they're like, uh, I think maybe catfish, catfish and like little catfish. He's like, oh, and there's the mama. He is so clearly like a person who cares about nature. He's an environmental scientist. He like views nature as not something that he is in opposition to, but that he is part of. And Mike is like, oh my God, I would die if one of those touched me. And I'm like, this relationship is fucking doomed. Like it's doomed on a values level. They just value different things. Uh, not, not you know who'd that, be all but, about the catfish swimming is the kombucha witch girl. Yeah, and and it's like, I, I you know, I don't think I know anyone in Seattle who would react that way to catfish. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, because they're bottom feeders; they don't want you. I'm just saying. Well, I'm just saying. Like, most people in Seattle are like, okay, it, you know, they're not necessarily like. I don't go camping, but I'm certainly I wouldn't freak out if a catfish touched my feet. You know, like yeah. Um, they're like mostly okay with nature. That's why people choose to live here in general. Because yeah. there's, it's literally one of the few advantages of living here is like to be near nature. Because a lot of other things about it aren't great. Um, so like the weather and the cost of living. Yeah, exactly. So it's like okay, so you you here and you don't like communing with the catfish. What are you even doing here, Micah? Anyway, Micah's twenty six and a marketing manager. I wonder if yeah. she. You know what she gives off to me? Seattle native. Do you know what I mean? Mm, okay, no. Like, I don't think she moved to Seattle for a job. You th- oh, 100% you think? 100% disagree, but okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. The opposite. She feels like someone who came in from New York freaking hates this place. You know, like, would love to not be here. That's kind of what she feels like to me. Mm, but, well, let's see when we meet yeah. her friends and family. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, Benny Hanna in the chat says, Micah told People Magazine, I never had an interest in Kwame going forward after she chose Paul, which I don't buy after that pool party. That's what she's, That's what uh, Benny Hanna is saying. I don't buy that. 
And uh, yeah. um, you know, even if I take her at her word that she never had an interest in Kwame, she sure had an interest in fucking shit up or like proving to Chelsea that she was still the alpha. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, 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 good looks, Micah. This is all good. Good yeah. for your future influencer career. Um, <laughs> uh, Carter Hearn, very good friend of the uh, pod slash um, our neighbor <laughs> and friend, yeah, yeah. Uh, says, what I find perhaps most confusing is that none of the Seattle witchy women were part of this season for Paul to match with. Yeah. So I agree. Maybe they were there and didn't get picked, but um, there was only like I was kind of looking at just the titles of people that got introduced. Whatever happened to Wendy, 27 aerospace engineer? I feel like, you know, this woman, she was Asian. I think you might have seen her like working out in the background in some other shots. Um, I was like, she has a Seattle vibe. I bet she. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the whole the whole time I'm watching the show, they, they, they put in like 15 shots of this Asian chick kicking this kicking the shit out of this punching bag every time i see i'm like i want to learn more about that woman please like that's that's who i want to know more about um anyway yes uh i'm i'm looking at uh micah's linkedin and she has been in seattle since at least 2012 um so she's been here for at least a decade so you know, maybe she's just one of those weird Seattle people that started to. Uh, not I, I think she's from Snohomish County. That's what I'm calling. I, I have to say that I um, was impressed by Micah's cunning nature, and I, I I'm being serious about that. Like, yeah, I know she, you sent me a lot of texts about this. I found it very disturbing. She, she she had psychologically isolated Paul, and she was like, "Hey, I have I have like the prey in my grasp. I just need to deliver the kill." And so she's like, okay, Paul, you're going to freaking break up with all your other people tonight, and I'm going to do the same. And, of course, Paul is, like, agonizing over it. And then, like, Micah's like, mm, like, no, you know, she she is just heartless in a way that, uh, look, you know, you got to admire someone who, like, knows what they want. They go get it. doesn't matter how many people they need to kill along the way. So I just feel like you and I watch two different shows. Like, everything you're describing, yeah, like, I would admire you're basically like saying she's like Logan Roy from Succession. <laughs> Why do you think I'm doing a recap show about Logan Roy? Check it out at podcast.decodingtv.com. Yes. <laughs> um, I was about to say that. But in my view, she actually did it from a place of weakness. Like she's very nervous. She's nervous about getting iced out in two different directions. So she doesn't want – like the thing she doesn't want is not to be Kwame's first choice because he has this connection with Chelsea and to lose Paul to Amber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that's right. So she's trying – to and then when she's waiting for Paul to break up with Amber, she's like, How long does it take? How could it possibly take this many minutes? Blah blah blah. blah. You know, and she's like really freaking out. And I think like her anxiety and insecurity like is quite clear in that moment. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. any other thoughts on Micah and Paul? Or okay, shall we get yes. to the PS? No, 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 because Paul has told Zach that he thinks about Amber all the time. Amber, the flight attendant who was married twice before mm-hmm. and who really thought she was about to get proposed to. Yeah. And at least I think it is true that that connection ended probably a day or two in the pods earlier than it would have. Yeah. Because. Because Micah took steps to. Shiver. Sur- yeah. Took steps to survive. That's right. Yes. Um, <laughs> to advance do- to the next stage in the show. Yes. Do you think that Amber – do you have any thoughts about Amber? 
I I don't have any thoughts on any like I I, I know you want to you're like maybe so and so will get back together. I'm like in the history of the show, I don't think it's ever happened that like somebody has split off and like gotten together with someone who they weren't originally paired with, and then that was actually documented in the show, as far as I can recall. Okay, maybe so, not documented in the show, but Deep D did date Kyle. Which was documented in the show. You know what I'm saying? So like, but, but, uh, well, actually, you're right. The, the, that, that was documented. Yeah. Okay. It was kind you're of right. documented because he said on that's the reunion, exception, I should exception, have yeah. proposed to Deep D. And then afterwards in like the reunion yeah, shows, yeah, yeah, they're kind true, of showed true. like okay. hanging out. Okay. But Correct. here's my point. Here's my point. I think Paul has horrible judgment because I don't understand Paul and Micah, period. Like I, I get no vibe from them on an interpersonal level. And then Paul and Amber also makes no sense in a completely different direction of the vector. So, like, I feel like he's just, like, spraying and praying, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Amber says that thing about cheating that is, like, really concerning. And he's like, that's kind of a red flag. And then she, like, scrambles to reel it back in. Do you remember this? I remember. It was brutal. It was brutal. You know, which was basically like, well, when there's cheating, there's a reason. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, that's that's pretty hard to hear." And she's like, "Well, I wouldn't do it with you. <laughs> like, clearly, I wouldn't do that anymore." <laughs> I've left my cheating days behind me. Duh. <laughs> it was so, it was a it was a critical stumble at a very cr- crucial moment. But also, Carter in the chat is pointing out Shane and Shayna as another example. They of didn't like, date. Yeah, I, I don't I don't believe they dated, as far as I could recall. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I guess um. I think it's 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 not possible to like know like I, I'm trying to spend more time in the construct of the show and it's like okay these are the five couples I don't want to like are is so and so gonna get together with uh, is that gonna get together with Bliss like who knows who knows what the producers okay are okay okay right okay so, yes yeah. and yes and I felt that what was striking to me is that usually by the time people get to Mexico they're focused on trying to make it work and they're like the decision I made is the decision I made and I was really shocked that Paul was still thinking about Amber and I think it's partly because it did get called a little bit earlier by Micah's sort of power play yeah and I feel like it's left. A little bit more doubt. Good for good, you know, uh, Lucille Bluth voice. Good for her. Good for her. I just think you are cheering for Micah in a way I don't understand. Cheer, cheering is is a strong word. Cheering is a strong word, but you know, game admire game. Like when if somebody is like, hey, I, like they, she saw a threat and she eliminated it. Like that's you know. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least she is a solid, competent player of the game. I will say that. Yeah, that's, um, all, that's all I'm saying. Partly because she has the axis of evil with Irina. But like, let's talk about the fact that um, Irina. Well, should we talk about Irina and Zach first? Yeah. Well, let me just say, I think it's very odd. I'll just do this as a quick aside. That Irina has decided in the post-pod era that she is most interested in Paul, a person. <laughs> Who, if Paul and Micah are mismatched, Paul and Irina, like, um, I think he would just like wander away in disinterest, like 15 minutes into a conversation with her. Mm -hmm. And so when she's like, I was more excited by five minutes of conversation with him and more inspired than I was by like meeting you, my actual fiance, that's because you didn't get to minute six where Paul got up and left, you know, like Irina can be plenty into Paul. And it's clearly, it's clearly, I think, just based on looks. Um, And so, Maybe this is one of the clues that this show is not for Irina. 
What is? What is? Uh, the fact that she's looks focused and not really actually about the content of people's character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's really foiling this grand experiment. Um, <laughs> Carol, Carol says David also cheered for Allison Tower, so here we are. Oh, you mean the good person in House of the Dragon? Okay, anyway. Um, so. There is no good. Well, so I think when Micah and Irina team up um, to spy on Amber to see if she's crying, even though it's obvious that she is, um, it's really gross. It's really, really gross. Do you mm-hmm. remember this moment? Uh, no, I don't recall, but yeah. Oh, okay. So basically, I, I, I recall Micah- them. I, I, I recall jackie crying and then like irena laughing at her like that's what i recall if i think that's something that happened right yeah yes but also micah is waiting to see if paul has actually broken it off with amber amber comes back from the lounge remember that yeah yeah, she clearly doesn't want to be next to the person she lost to who's going to also not be nice about it and is going to gloat so she goes and hides and then irena goes and like does a little hiding to like try to eavesdrop and i'm like Mm -hmm. you're all so fucking tacky and there's another moment where um, Irina like literally like kicks her feet in delight when somebody else comes in crying. And I was like, oh, you're not just like trying to win. I think you might actually be a bad person. Like, I think you might actually enjoy other people's suffering in a way mm-hmm. that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, which brings us to Irina and Zach. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a newsletter I read called Platformer. And it's written by Casey Newton. It's an awesome newsletter about technology. And I remember he was talking about Quibi, the Quibi, Quibi, you know, the the uh, short form video app that was launched by Jeffrey Katzenberg during the pandemic. And he said, uh, Casey Newton once said something like, you know, every once in a while, it's nice to know that something is going to fail and then watch it fail for the exact reasons that you thought it was going to fail. And there's something very like karmically satisfying, like metaphysically satisfying of like, hey, my understanding of the world actually makes sense. Like I thought the world was this way and it is this way. And it's very obvious, Joy, from the beginning that Irina, certainly in the way she conducts herself in the show, is not that nice. Um, But also that Bliss, who is someone else that's into Zach is a way better choice across all fronts for Zach. But Zach chooses Irina instead of Bliss in, 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 a, in a series of maddening, you know, sequences of self-reflection where he's like, should I go with the woman who remembered my birthday and baked a cake for me or baked some cupcakes for me? Or the woman who didn't give a shit and actually tried to sabotage the other person who was who doing the nice thing for me, you know? Uh, I mean, he didn't know about the sabotage, but, but, uh, yeah, he chose poorly. I sent you the meme of the guy from Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Like he chose poorly and, uh, he is going to be, he, he and Irina are being dragged by the internet for it. Deservedly so, because it's, it's one of the most baffling decisions I can recall on this show where, um, like the only other one maybe like is Deep D and Shake and like Shane and Natalie. Like those those are the only other ones that are like, wow, I don't even understand why this happened. You know, 
Um, yeah. What did you think of the whole Zach Irina storyline? I think Zach, I actually thought it was interesting. And I think we got enough in the edit to comprehend it a little bit. Yeah. So Zach clearly has this, I mean, he described it a little bit, but I'm sure it's a complicated and uh, there, are, there are a lot of different memories attached to this. But, you know, his mother had to become a sex worker in order or stripper, you know, um, in order to for them not to starve. They were hungry a lot. He lived under a bridge. He was homeless. When he started dating someone at some point, in, I mean, he's not even that old. Um, their family did not yeah. want her dating him because of what the circumstances were that he grew up in. Yeah. And I think and this he, is where like bliss fumbles the ball a little bit because she he finds did. it deeply rejecting. So when he tells arena, the yeah. fact that arena is like responsive to it, I think is like the magic for his yeah. specific, you know, most um, kind of deepest wound. Right. And I'm sure bliss was also understanding of it, but then. No, but, but the bliss is like, Hey, you know, me, my family's so important to me. Yeah. Go hold ahead. on, hold on. Go Off ahead. camera, I'm sure yeah. when he told Bliss, Bliss mm. was also, he would not have made it that far with Bliss if not. But when it comes to the moment where he says, What if your family doesn't like me? She doesn't remember, oh, this is like this person's deepest, most sensitive trigger. I am going to bend over backwards to reassure him that that's not going to happen. Yeah. For instance, there were things in your and my relationship when it came to meeting your family that you were like, trust me, all your worst fears are not going to come true. And here is how I will guarantee it. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's really nice. So um, I think that a separate but related thing is that Zach wants to see the best in people. And he's actually like pretty good at reading people. So he said the thing about Irina, he says it to another guy in the men's lounge. She plays these little games. She's kind of immature, but I think underneath it, she's actually a much better person than that. And I'm like, what if underneath it, she's not? You know, that was my, but I think he wants to believe that people who have behaviors that are not something they would be proud of, it might come from a place of hurt and could be like healed, right? Like that's a mm -hmm. belief he has about himself and his family. And so he's trying to see the best in her. And I think he really deeply believes it's there. I think he's wrong, unfortunately for him. Um, and even maybe like if he had met her in person, I think there are things about even just her mannerisms that come across as really dismissive that he might have picked up on more. Um, but I, I actually think it's part of Zach's like optimism about humans that he wants to take the most broken seeming person and see mm -hmm. potential in them. And like, that's one read of it that's generous to Zach. I think a sadder read that I've seen, you know, people on Twitter say is that he is so beaten down that he thinks he deserves kind of somebody who's like challenging um, mm. and with whom love would not be straightforward. I think kind of related to that is this idea of like, um, perhaps Zach is afraid of being fully known by someone else, you know, and uh, that uh, he sensed that like with bliss, who's like a very emotionally mature, sweet, loving person. Uh, he would need to like be more vulnerable with her than with someone like Irina, who has like a, a, a carapace and layers of <laughs> protection and like, you know, who is ostensibly more emotionally safe for him. 
The other part of it that you didn't mention was Zach got very offended when Bliss was like, Irene is a bad person. And like, and, and I, and like, and if you like Irina, maybe I don't trust your judgment. And Zach was like, how could you say that? Like, that's more offensive than anything else you've said. You know, like, he was very, he brought it up, like, during their final conversation or one of their final conversations. And it was like, I think there is a little bit of, like, uh, toxic male pride going on there. I think there's a little bit of, like, how dare you question my judgment? Um, and, uh, and, like, that kind of hardens his own position with regards to Irina. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's toxic. I don't think of it as a stereotypically male pride in his specific situation. I can picture what you're talking about. Just like, just like, Hey, look, I, I am a lawyer. I consider myself very good at assessing people's personalities. I have assessed Irina. I think she's a good person. And you are going to question me, somebody who has spent years developing the tradecraft of figuring out what people's personalities are. Or how dare you? How dare you? I, I think it might be a, I mean, we'll never know, but like, I think it might even be though, like, if I decided not to give up on someone, that's because mm-hmm. there's something there worth saving. You know, I could just see it being very close to like very triggering things for him. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Irina's feelings towards Zach are, you know, a complete mystery. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, what I get the sense of from Irina and Micah are these are two people who know how to play the game of, Love is Blind, the TV show. Like, they know what to say. They know how to advance onto the next stage. But they're not actually interested in finding true love, at least as far as I can, you know, if I'm to be extremely judgmental. Um, Because if they were really that interested, Joy, you know, what would their reaction be to this song that Zach sings to Irina towards the end of their time? When he is about to- Let's watch our viewer count plummet again. When he is about to propose to her, Zach sings this song to Irina. Let's take a listen. I was aching, breaking down. The bluest guy the blues had found. As we laid in the pods, I knew it was real. My heart you would steal. You found me all alone I found myself a Blarney Stone Irina, you take my blues away Irina, you take my blues away That was Zach singing to Irina right as he was proposing to her. To take some deep breaths after that. I, okay, I, I think I think what we've learned is there should be no more singing in the pods. Like in gen- like just do not no more singing in the pods from this point forward, please. It's not bearing fruit. Okay. Um. It's not bearing fruit. Okay. Look, uh, you classically trained musician. Could you transcribe that into notes if you had to? <laughs> no, but I also couldn't translate transcribe the Kwame song into notes either just put that out there oh so. harsh um i think the blarney stone line is by far the worst <laughs> i i give i would bet um twenty thousand dollars that irena does not know what the blarney stone is um and um apparently are you aware that this star this song was actually stolen no this is um 
based on a song called Sarah's Song by Ludo. Here wow. is the original, some of the original lyrics. Wow. I was aching, breaking down. The bluest guy the blues had found. You came, you gave me butter pecan. You let me ramble on and on. When we walked down the street, my heart you would steal. With Ewoks on TV, I knew it was real. Clumsy royalty and speech pathology. You found me all alone. I found myself a Blarney Stone. And Sarah, you take my blues away. Okay. Uh, well, he did not introduce it as I changed some lyrics from a song that already exists, right? Yeah, I took out the Ewoks and I put in some stuff about us. It's still terrible. I think it's actually even worse if it's based on a real song. Because <laughs> that rendition is unacceptable. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you said it, not me. So Yeah, yeah, that's right. I did say it. Um, so internet detectives I, I, found I, I, that. It I, wasn't I think- me, but... I think um, <laughs> you know every now and then you watch a uh, like like something that is so extreme that you have to like admire the the um, just the extremity. You know, Colonel Kurtz, Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now gave this speech where he's talking about like I've seen horrors. Uh, you know, horrors that you've seen. And he says, he says that we left the camp after we, we, we went into a camp to inoculate some children. We left the camp after we had inoculated the children for polio. And this old man came running after us and he's crying. And we went back there and they had hacked off every inoculated arm. They were there in a pile, a pile of little arms. And I, I remember I cried. I wept like some, some grandmother. Um, and, and he saw it. I thought, my God, the genius of that, the genius, end quote. Like, like, wow, a pile of little arms is like one of the worst things you've ever seen. But also like he was Colonel Kurtz, who by that point had gone off his rocker, was like marveling at the genius of that. This is, this is too not just shy of that. Come on. You are not marveling at the genius. No, 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 no. It's because it's what I'm marveling at is because like, I don't know that I've ever witnessed like humiliation on this scale before in my life. Like maybe, maybe like I wasn't around for like survivor when that was, you know, watched by 60 million people. But like this show love is blind is the closest thing we have to like a monoculture dating reality show right now. Uh, and like where, where like literally like most of my friends, most of our friends are watching love is blind. Right. Um, and I think the the reason I'm so taken with this scene is because he is singing this horrible song, which apparently he has plagiarized from someone else, to one of the go. worst, to literally, literally the worst human on the show, possibly, Ever. possibly for, uh, since the show has begun. And there is just, and he's doing it in front of millions and ten, you know, probably tens of millions of people is my guess, right? And it's like, this is one of the most humiliating things that could ever happen to a human being is you're professing your love in an extremely cringeworthy way to like one of the worst people ever that everyone knows, everyone with half a brain who's watching the show knows is one of the worst. Um, and for that reason, this moment and this 
episode, this series of episodes kind of like transcended, you know, the confines of the show into, into something else that became its own kind of art. Well, I think that really is crystallized towards the end of episode five when we get the back-to-back scenes of Zach and Irina in bed, breaking it off, and then brushing their teeth and throwing daggers at each other. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would like to, you know, I, I enjoy transcribing Love is Blind in my spare time. It's actually quite difficult because of the crosstalk. Um, but I would like to read you how that went when they were in bed. It was so horrifying. And then it was followed by the toothbrushing scene that I, I don't think I totally I have a clip. totally have a clip. got it. No, no, but the, the, the bed scene, I would like to read you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. It starts with a long silence, just long establishing shots. They're mm-hmm. sleeping even further away from each other on the bed. Poor Ralph, the stuffed animal, is in the middle. Ralph has seen some things he should not be seeing. And sometimes Irina is allowed to cuddle with Ralph. And I'm like, get the fuck away from Ralph. You don't deserve Ralph. Side note, good season for comfort objects. Chelsea's got a 30-year-old blanket, and Ralph gets a lot of screen time. So, you know, normalize that, everyone. Can't say that I have that or not in my life. Um, but I do. Um, okay, so here's here's what Irina says. Here's what Irina says. What does Irina say? She's lying there, and then finally she picks her head up after the long silences says, um, I just wanted to let you know, um, on the plane ride home tomorrow... If we get the chance, like, I don't think we should sit together and just have our space. I just feel like we're in this hole and we're trying to, like, get out of it and get out of it. And it's like, it's only like, I feel like we're only going to end up resenting ourselves. This is after, like, when they first met. Like, it was, Irina and Zach meeting was one of the most awkward meetings ever. Like, you, and what's what's amazing, too, is you're seeing the contrast, like... Everyone like when they meet each other, they're like, oh, they're they're like genuinely like moved, and they they like run toward each other, and they hug each other, and they kiss each other, and it's like a it's like one of the few beautiful things that this show does give to us is like this moment of recognition. And then you see Irina and Zach meet, and it's like so painful. And then he he's like, hey, can I give you a kiss? And she's like, not yet. And it's like. Oh, well, wow. and she's cruel to him. She's like, you look like a cartoon character. And yeah. then he's like trying like, stop, to say like, stop staring I think that at was, me. Stop staring at me. Why are oh, you she staring? even says you're creepy. Like it was just so horrible. Horrible. Yeah. So, so she's, she's already like rejected many of his like physical advances before. When she so. goes to break up with him, she can't even do it. She's like on the plane ride. We should not sit together. And I think it is partly because Arena wants to still be on the show. Yes. But yes. she really, 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 really doesn't like the person she's decided to do it with. Yes. So. It's a whole Shayna situation all over again, for sure. So as she continues, I have way more of this to read to you, David. Please. She says, I feel like we're only going to end up presenting ourselves. And I thought that was a fascinating way to make it neutral when it's like, I will only run into presenting you, is what she means. <laughs> she says, this is supposed to be our honeymoon phase. Like, and then he says, it's been horrible. It's been absolutely horrible. It's been fucking horrible. And she laughs and says, it's been so bad. It has. Because me talking to Paul for five minutes, like I was so inspired and excited by our conversation. I was like, why haven't I had one of these conversations with Zach? Which was, again, so unnecessarily cruel. And also, also, I've been quoting Lucille Bluth all all episode, but him? (laughs) You know, like. (laughs) Totally. Paul? Paul? So inspired, inspired is what she said. Mm-hmm. And then he says, yeah, I think we're on the same page. I think we should call it. I don't think it's going to work out. 
And she says, okay, I mean, it sucks. I do think you're really, and he says, I do think, look, I think we can be friends. And she says, I'm not done talking. So he's Uh saying, I think we can be friends. And he's trying to be kind about it. And she Mm -hmm. says, I'm not done talking. And then she says, I still know. know, To to be fair, like she didn't like being interrupted. And uh, let me just say, I have heard those words and that tone before, potentially in our household. So I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, when you, okay, whatever. (laughs) I still know you are like one of the best people I met. One of. (laughs) Then she goes on to say her whole, his backstory was so great. And then, you know, about his, like, you know, vulnerability. She says, to be honest, you're a big dork, but I loved it. I was just like, oh, he's just him. He doesn't care what anyone thinks. And that's what I loved about you. And, like, I just hope you know I don't have any regrets. And he says, you know, I think logically that doesn't make any sense at all. You want to know what my theory is? And she says, no. No. (laughs) She says, I'm not going to pinpoint. She immediately, like, starts to savage him as opposed yep. to, cause he wants to say a, sh- a theory about her. She's like, I'm going to head you off with the path. She's like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to pinpoint like, Oh, you did this. You shaved your arms and legs. I'm not going to sit here and list all the things I don't like about you. It's, I'm not going to do that. You don't deserve that. Even though she just did it in that sentence. She goes on and on about, Oh, I'm, it's, I'm literally treating you so poorly. I'm a complete jerk to you. Um, I think about bliss. I really hope you get to see her when you go back to Seattle. And she does say, I'm really glad we did try. And then he says, yeah, I'm not sure how hard you did try. Um, it's been absolutely horrible sleeping in this bed with you. And she says, shut up. Like, stop being so fucking dramatic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, I, I think she is best case scenario. If she was very, very interested in someone, she would still be a fucking nightmare to deal with. Like she says to him earlier on the sailboat, my ego is so big. I would never tell you this, but you're like actually really fucking cute. <laughs> she is like so nagging constantly because she thinks it somehow makes her safer. I don't know. Um, So all of this is, uh, I don't know, feels like five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by, and then they start brushing their teeth and like really unleashing while still maintaining this supposedly neutral or slightly light tone because now they can finally, you know, exhale and really be honest. And it is pretty incredible. I think you have the clip. I do have the clip. Let's take a listen. I just think it's fun. I mean, honestly, I knew that you were, I was surprised that you were still like hanging on. I was like, I've like given you every reason to forget it. And I was like, man, like he's, really I was going to, I mean, I was going to leave you on day three, but I thought that'd be fucked up. Well, I was going to leave you after I saw you <laughs> and gave it a chance. <laughs> how it goes. Do you like, I don't know. What do you feel about bliss? I don't know. Like being with me, does it have you think about her? I mean, like, I uh, honestly, her. honestly, I was thinking about her the whole time we were together. <laughs> but, I mean, so I'm just rude. being real. I mean, it's being, okay, I'm being well, real. You know what? I like, thought about someone else. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure. He's uh, with your best friend. I know, but. <laughs> when I got away, you know? <laughs> I mean, first of all, amazing. Amazing. Scene of television. Just like, just an incredible scene. You know, like, what is great about it is 
you're watching a human humans connect actually for the first time after like days of not connecting in my opinion right i don't know about you joy but um some of my most honest moments with people have been when i've broken up with them (laughs) um you know when you break up with someone and you're still like spending time with them um you often like feel like you can just express everything that has been building up because it's like there's no more pretense that this is going to be a thing anymore and i think that uh we got to see it's like hey after they could finally like drop this charade they can finally like hey joking we're joking we're laughing about how we're like having crushes on other people that like are unavailable or blah 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 you know like um and that's just kind of like hey uh it's nice to see because they were clearly suffering horribly prior to that point but they're still suffering. Like Irina walks around the world with this extraordinarily fragile presence. So she says, she, she's saying earlier, I hope you go talk to Bliss. In this moment, she's like, have you thought about Bliss? And he's like, yeah, honestly, I have. And he's finally able to say that. And she's like, you're so fucking rude. And I'm like, what did you – I mean, he does say like that he thought about her she, every to be day. Fair, she's, she's like laughing when she says it, you know, because I no, think but it's like- she's she is a mean, mean laugher. It's very transgressive what they're doing. They're like, they're on the show where they're supposed to be on their honeymoon and they're like interacting and talking about the other people they're in love with. It's like, this is so such a weird thing. I would understand if you're like nervous laughing during that situation. So. Okay, yeah, but she's not in love with Paul. She's just like distracted like a squirrel, you know, has come in the range of a dog. I, I just feel like um, <laughs> she is so much of a dish it out but can't take it person. Like I mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. ratio of dish it out to what she can actually take is like 100 to 1. And so mm-hmm. anything that she smells as like a tiny bit of e- even if the person has been asked directly, I think like and and she did I think even ask him earlier in the pods, what do you think of bliss specifically? You know, and I just thought that was so inappropriate. Like I think you could say She's like, because I know, like, I'm I'm smart. Like, she's smart too. I think I'm more street smart. Like, she she thought about it the way that like uh, an incel thinks about what they have to offer a woman. Like, in this just very mathematical way, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, like, it's mm-hmm. it was really uncomfortable. You know, yeah. like she's seven and a half. I'm a seven. You know, like kind of. Um, this is not how actual human relationships evolve whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I think Arena is a real. Um, piece of work. I don't know. Piece of work. I I feel that the Seattle market has been thoroughly warned about Arena through this show, and that is a public service I'm grateful for. Yeah, I mean, she has a like. If you look her up, she has like an events organizing business. Oh, I wondered. Um, it said she's a business owner, and I did wonder yeah, what she, kind of business she has. An event twenty five. She has an event organizing business in in based in Seattle area. It doesn't have a um. What do you call it? Uh, it doesn't have like a physical location or anything like that, um, but it is it is based in Seattle. And you know, let me let me let's go to the website. What kind of event do you think you would want her to organize? Okay, for yeah, you? let's let's take a, let's take a look. Let's take <laughs> like, a look. Sure. Like a, a gonna, salt the earth of my okay. neighbor party. You know. I'll put, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put I'll put the screenshot up on screen here. So you burning can see, all the um, possessions of my ex. I'm putting uh, the website up on screen of her business. Um, the the headline is "Come sit with us." That's what her business is, 
And uh, let's go to the about page. We help people create memories of a lifetime. Okay, so far true. So far. I think she can deliver on that. (laughs) By curating a space that celebrates people, life's events, and the moments in between. Life at the Table, which I guess is the name of the company, exists to help build, shape, and share people's stories by creating a unique table experience of a lifetime. We do this by truly valuing community and relationships and truly believe people at events should be celebrated effortlessly and constantly. Truly is used twice in that sentence. Effortlessly um, and constantly. Wow. Constantly. Constantly. That, that is her. An effortless, constant, good vibe. <laughs> Carter, Carter, Carter says, uh, party down event energy. Yes, this is very, very party down event energy. I Carol, would easily hire party down before I would hire this woman to be anywhere near any of my loved ones. <laughs> Carol saying, come sit with us seems like a direct contradiction to her. You can't sit with us mean girls energy. It's, it's true. And, you know, I do feel, I do wonder, like, for these people, millions of people will know who these people are. Like, right now, Irina has, um, and I, I'm bringing this up because I think Irina really was in it to be an influencer. She currently has 8,700 subscri- uh, followers on Instagram, right? Now, 8,700? 8,700, yeah. Now, Love is Blind just debuted like a couple days ago. So I am curious how much higher this is going to go. But I, I am genuinely curious. Like, is it worth the cost? Because I think a lot of people are going to get a negative impression off Irina uh, from the season of television. And, you know, um, is it is it going to be like, is she going to get enough business coming in from that that it's worth the probably one star reviews that people are going to unilaterally leave her on Yelp, you know, like, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, like if any cost benefit analysis went into it at all. Um, I think so. she probably just wanted to see how far she could get. It's kind of a lark. I don't think there's like a big elaborate strategy. Yeah. And there's, I think any, some genuine any... lack of self-awareness that she thought, <laughs> Oh, I'm a catch. This is going to help me. People are going to know what a catch I am. <laughs> Any press is good press. Okay. Well, anyway, th- this is the car crash couple of the season, Irina and Zach. And um, I I thought the car crash would last a lot longer. I thought it would be like they'd stretch this out until at least episode six or seven, you know? I thought so too, but it was so painful watching them together <laughs> that I was really grateful for Zach that at least he's yeah. out of his misery. Now, clearly we see that he has uh, gotten back together. Yeah. Oh, when he meets Bliss. It was a scene where I was like, I think that might be in Capitol Hill or Queen Anne. I feel like I've seen this kind of interior. So at least we're finally seeing things that look kind of Seattle-ish. I did a thing. So when he talks to Bliss, he basically says, I made the wrong choice. You know I did. And I do too. I I believe Um, the bar is called Smith Bar in in Capitol Hill, Seattle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So Um, I've never been. Have you been there, Joy? Have you been to Smith Bar? uh, No, I'm guessing... Carter Hearn has, um, but I... I, uh, I wonder, is it a good place to uh, completely eat shit on public television in front of millions of people? I'm curious. But uh, we'll have to find out. We'll have to find out. So um, Anyway, so he... I rewound to the beginning of the show because I remembered in the previews, like before you... It's kind of like the pre 
credits, they kind of have some clips and fast forwards of the season that someone says that they ended up proposing to a second person. So I rewound it and re-listened to it. It's clearly Zach's voice. And um, it's clearly also stitched together from different times in the show, two of which we've now seen. But the third one is that we haven't seen is he said, I proposed to someone I was going to spend the rest of my life with, and now I propose to another woman. So he is going to at least propose. I hope, for God's sake, it's not in the Smith bar. Why? Bliss deserves much more. I, I do not have Bliss on quite the pedestal that you have her, but like I, I think she deserves better than a like, hey, by the way, can I wow, buy you a beer slam, and also slamming, propose? Slamming Smiths and, you know, uh, Bliss in one. I don't think we have enough of an edit or enough evidence. She seems fine. I don't have, I don't think she's like incredible yet. I don't know enough. I don't know enough based on what I've been shown. Um, but yeah, so I think we will see a proposal at least. Who knows if she'll say yes. All right. Anything else about the Zach and Irina storyline that we want to say? Um, oh, oh uh, Benny Hanna in the chat says there's a piece in Entertainment, uh, I, want, I think Weekly is my guess, where Irina and my, or Entertainment Magazine, where Irina and Micah talk about being mean girls. Micah adds that she and Irina are just people. She and I are both in our mid-20s. We're just doing the best we can do. We just have to grow up from our mistakes. End quote. So. I thought there was hope for Micah. I thought for Irina... It's a lower starting point and probably a lower slope of the rate of growth <laughs> that she's going to have from this. Because she does, so. she does stuff that's like pretty irredeemable, you know. Um, I think when they're crying at other people being empathetic or other people suffering, that is just really hard for me to get yeah. past. And I think yeah. you have to really ask yourself, where did that come from? That I could compartmentalize that much to think it's funny. Yeah, at the same, you know, I thought about this. At the same time, it's like they are in just a really weird situation. You know, and so it's like, again, maybe it's like some nervous laughter coming out. You know, um, I, I could see Come myself. On, dude. <laughs> I could see myself reacting that way. Like, I probably would be much more controlled in front of a camera. Like, I probably would not. I probably would try to think of like, hey, me laughing at this person who's like crying their eyes out probably is going to play poorly. You know, at home. Um, but I love uh, you, and I know you really well. You would not. This would not happen. I know you're trying to be maximally generous to them, yes, but indeed. At least for um, you specifically, I do not think that's what happened in this way. Um, well, you know, we've talked a fair bit about how this does not seem like it's in Seattle uh, so far. But we're going to yeah. get to the dates and, you know, meeting the family and friends. And maybe it will start to feel a little bit more like someone is descended from a Swedish fisherman or um, in the tech industry mm-hmm. or um, what else do we have a lot of locally related to aerospace? Um, it, it's just... Yeah. It's a really specific place, Seattle. Oh, here was another thing. No one talked in the pods about hiking. That's bullshit. Yeah. If you are dating, you spend 90% of your time talking about what hikes you like. Even if you don't like hikes, you have to pretend. Yeah. Yeah. That was in fact, very when odd. I, I when I met that. you, David, um, uh, I remember being like, oh, thank God. He's not outdoorsy. He's indoorsy. This is my kind of person. Okay, I don't but we have still to talk- get up at five a.m. on the weekends and like go pretend I love the sunrise. But per what you're saying, we still talked about it, right? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. still talked about it. So yeah, and we both talked about how we view camping as like a hardship. Our ancestors would have worked to protect us from, not like a thing we would lean into as a recreation. Hundred percent, hundred percent. 
Uh, okay. Any other thoughts? Uh, we had some other meta topics, Joy, but I think we actually already covered them all. So yeah, I, I will say it continues to be a pretty brutal edit for Asians. You know, um, yeah. I'm concerned that season two with Natalie and Shake and Deep D was the peak for Asian representation mm-hmm. on this show because last season we had Andrew, and this season we had background characters that were mostly yeah. I don't know where the Asian men were, and then the women were like nodding sympathetically like a best friend you know, to like other people. It just felt like we were the side characters in this season. So fine. Um, It's just particularly strange when you think about, again, like Seattle being one out of six people. It just feels like a, like, it's like if they couldn't get Asian people and particularly Asian men in on the show in this round, like, I I don't think we're ever going to see Asian men on the show really in a major way, you know, like, yeah, I think that's um, true. This, this is the opportunity because there's so many Asian people here, unless they do the next season in like San Francisco or UC Berkeley or whatever, you know, like (laughs) this is, this is the place where you can get Asian people on it. And they they decided not to do it. Um, Keith Blonder in the chat asks, curious for your point of view on why so many of the women seem to say they hate Zach after meeting him. Zach. I found this very striking. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so what? What do you? What? Are, what is the? Um, summarize what people have said about Zach, if you, if you will. Jacqueline was like, I don't even want to be six feet near that guy. So several people had not like, oh, Zach is like a Zach shall cross, aka like a giant fat blank space where a person should be. You know, like. But more um, like an active, like, I'm repelled by him. I find him creepy. I dislike him. And I don't think Jacqueline is that similar to, I mean, she can have her own kind of like slightly mean girl vibe at moments, but I don't think it, it runs that deep as like with Mike and Arena. But um, I thought it was kind of concerning that so many of the women disliked Zach, particularly after meeting him in person. So I thought, oh, this isn't like a bad looking guy. He is a criminal defense attorney, which is a kind of like difficult, emotionally difficult job. He has this like story. I I thought he was just horribly mismatched with Irina. I'm a little concerned that maybe he is kind of creepy and that Irina maybe did put her finger on that accurately. Um, But overall, in terms of his behaviors and how he comes across to me, I thought he seemed actually like he was handling the situation relatively well beyond his initial terrible judgment of picking Irina. I think Zach was the one that joked around with women saying he was like a male stripper, right? Am I right about that? Yes. Which I, and then he's like, okay, then I decided I really need to get serious. Like that really rubbed me the wrong way right off the top because I'm just like, if somebody made that joke to me, if I, we were in this situation and someone made that joke to me, I'd be like, first of all, that's not funny. So you're a freaking, you suck at humor. Okay. Secondly, what, what did you think was going to be my reaction? Like, are you like testing someone? Like if they he is testing. Like, yeah. But it's like, um, but he's not actually a male stripper. That's the thing. So it's like, he's just trying to like get a rise out of people in a very, like when they're in a very like vulnerable environment a heavily scrutinized environment um i just thought it's not i think he was saying it to see if they're at all comfortable with sex work as a way to test are they accepting of him who has like a very respectable white collar profession of being a lawyer you know given that his background is that his mom was a stripper 
But and it's I think like, you realize like this is really ineffective and unfair. Yeah, I mean, it's like also there's it, nothing it, wrong with sex work, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, and I think it's saying. denigrating sex work. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like it, he did it in the most douchey way imaginable because he said it in a way as though it was implying that it would be shocking. And it's like, so yeah, uh, yeah, just from, yeah. just from that, just literally from his first line in the pods, I was like, this guy is not good. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they edit out a bunch of like stuff where he's acting like an asshole because they want to make it like more interesting. Um, yeah. But anyway, I mean, I am hoping bliss says no, I will say that. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like she shouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't even take the call, you know, um, if I were bliss. <laughs> okay. But. So you said you wouldn't have taken the call. I absolutely would have taken the call only out of curiosity. Cause it would have people should be not made. To know. People should be made to suffer for their crimes. <laughs> he can still suffer. He can yeah. say, I want you. And she can be like, thank you. No. Mm-hmm. And she's also probably got to be curious what he looks like. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. Even so, that's she can true. like dodge him in Seattle. Again, it's a small town. It's really hard to yeah. avoid people. Yeah. Um, so um, we will see about the rest of the season. I actually think there's a solid chance three or f- like more of these couples will get married. I mean, I definitely think Tiffany and Brett have a strong chance. Marshall and Jackie possibly. And then um, no one else. That's kind of what I'm calling it now. So I think saying, Chelsea's very stubborn, and I think Kwame could be too. And so I could. I'm see saying 1.5 couples is who I'm willing to put my my money on. So I'm going with 2.5. Okay. All right. Well, that is episodes one through five of Love Is Blind season four. We hope you've enjoyed listening to me, David Chen, and at Joyo Napping discussing it here on the Decoding Reality podcast at DecodingReality.tv. Of course, Decoding Reality is part of the Decoding TV network. If you want to support what we do, become a paid member at DecodingTV.com. Get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes. Um, yeah, that is it for today. Joy, any other thoughts or shall we, are we good? Well, I think as this show continues and it, it will get rapidly to the point where everyone will be allowed to post on Instagram. Yeah. Um, we'll get the, the season's version of, um, Cole, I'm sorry that other people didn't understand our love and they didn't see how rude you were to me, you know, when Zena posted, you know, the sorry, not sorry. Um, and more people who know these folks in real life will come out of the woodwork and it's just going to become very overwhelming because this show really interacts with social media very directly. I feel like we'll see reunions, et cetera. So feel free to email us if you think we're missing. There's so much coverage and so many tentacles of this thing. Um, theories that some of these people are actors or on Reddit, you know, like I, I can't even keep up (laughs) with, you could spend as many hours as you spend on the show. Also like digging up all of the coverage and, and, um, posts and stuff so anyway if people think there's something important to bring to our attention we welcome it decoding tv at gmail.com is where you can send those in so the next three episodes will debut on friday march 31st episode six seven and eight uh then the following three episodes will debut a week after that nine ten and eleven uh, and then and one then more. One final episode will be the following week, April 14th, episode 12. Then on the Netflix listing, there is one additional episode called episode 13, no premiere date set. My guess is that's going to be some reunion or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Um, last time they did the reunion and then they did the after the altar. They should have done it in a different order, in my opinion, um, because the after the altar stuff took place before the reunion. So I don't know how they're going to do it this time. But. In any case, we will try to be back shortly after the next batch of episodes debut. 
So that is going to be the plan here on Decoding Reality at decodingreality.tv. Check it out. Uh, if you watch this on the Decoding TV YouTube channel or listen to it on the Decoding Reality feed, thank you so much. We'll see you very soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.